Corner.com. Podcast, CapsCorner.com. Hi, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com. Coming to you live from the place of Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, October the 10th, 2018. Virginia has a bye this weekend. No, Virginia does not have a bye this weekend. Virginia off its bye. Finally, the content gods have looked down upon me and said, no, Brad, you may have a game again. Um, and that's good. And everyone was happy. And uh, and, I, and I like it. Uh, so we are going to talk about that game. Virginia hosting the 16th ranked Miami Hurricanes on Saturday night. A lot of topic of conversation from at least one of us about it being a night game. I cannot tell you the, the, the depths to which Dave researched the crap out of the fact that this was a night game. Um, so I, I guess he's going to uh, let that dog go for a walk on, on, on this particular uh, program. Uh, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everyone. The aforementioned David Spence is on the show up in Fishersville. How are you, my friend? Yeah, I'm, I'm taking a break from <laughs> digging into obscure stats, Brad, to talk on the podcast. Um, so what happens when you have a bye week? Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. And up in Arlington, staff writer Justin Ferber is also on the show. How are you, buddy? Doing well. Uh, I don't have as many obscure stats as Dave does, but um, I have been looking at media guides for the last six or so weeks now, so I'm very familiar with obscure facts. At Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. I know at least one random thing about every ACC team now. It's like, did you know that this player was the first sociology major to catch a touchdown in the first quarter? There's a lot of stuff like that in the media guides. How many people do you think? Well, I mean, I guess it's not. It's not really. Uh, wait a minute. Cav, uh, Cavs corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore corner. Great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. How, do you think it comes up anytime that Daniel Ham's the only player in ACC history to have a touchdown in five seasons? Do you think that no, ever comes that up? No, it's kind of crazy. That I mean, is it is kind of crazy, right? Like that. This is the most random thing of randomness. Like you would never like guess that. Like yes. if ten years from now, I was like, "Who was that person?" There's no chance anybody. No, would get no that. chance. You. But at the same time, like if if I really hope that they don't like overdo it on like the Affleck trivia question, or you know, I don't watch enough games on TV now to to know if they even do like a like on the ACC network. Maybe that'll be something that that the the mothership does more of, right? Maybe they'll have like a sponsorship thing. Wow, we are really off the beaten path. Okay. Um, Virginia was Virginia won its game against its bye last week. Um, didn't get any healthier though. Um, somehow managed to like lose more dudes, um, which is definitely not the what, the 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 sort of storyline that I was expecting. Um, Jermaine Crowell out with a concussion. Brenton Nelson, thanks to you know thanks to me, everybody on the ACC teleconference for asking that question, then actually got you some actual hard news out of it. Uh, Brent Nelson has practiced the past two days, according to Bronco Mendenhall. Looks like he's going to be good to go, is probable for Saturday night's game. Um, but the Cavaliers are still in a tough spot to a place where they had to move Devontae Cross from wide receiver uh, back over to safety, or I guess back over to the defensive side of the ball. I believe he was a cornerback before. Um, so in terms of the injury situation, Dave, you are the hand wringer of the group. You're the one who worries. Um, Dave is the one who sends the text messages um, with that, that sound like – the most like they need to come with a half a Xanax. Um, what, what, what's your general sort of feeling about the injury situation right now, especially in terms of what's going on on the defense? I mean, give me a break. I'm not, I'm the same dude who picks Virginia. Look, we all have to, all, we all have plays. to have a brand, Dave. Okay. Dave, I'm, are you okay? See, no, no, I'm okay. Look, no, we all have to have a brand. I feel okay, Brad, no, look, my Brad. DMS are open. If you need someone to talk to <laughs> Seriously, we all have to have a brand. I'm, my brand is um, talkative and intense. Okay, Ferber's brand is all is smart and well well reasoned, 
right? And Dave, your brand Starlight Qualities. Yeah, I didn't say anything about that. (laughs) And then Dave, I guess your brand is hand wringing and obscure stats. Obscure stats. You know, that's that's fine. Anyway, can you answer the question that was asked of you by the moderator of this here program? (laughs) Um, uh, what was the question? (laughs) Uh, As far as the injuries, like, look, when we talked, we talked about a little bit last week. Um. Yeah, the team's not that deep, and it just seems like you know. It just seems like they they kept mounting. Um, I, I don't know that anything that you know Crowell being out and uh, Dylan Thompson, I guess, also got a concussion. Not that he was playing a whole lot, but he did get a few snaps in the last game. Um, like anytime you're going up against, you know, what we talked about in the preseason, the. the the toughest game on our schedule as far as talent we were going to see on the field was going to be Miami. Um, it's not the best time to be pretty dinged up. Um, look, across this landscape of college football, there's not a whole lot of teams that could deal with losing, you know, a starting defensive lineman, two starting inside linebackers, and, you know, potentially one or two starters from the defensive backfield, depending on how that all shakes out. Unless your name is Alabama, that's going to hurt you. So when you're Virginia and you've got depth issues, certainly it's an issue. Um, but the, you know, it's not like the, it happened this past week. We, we we dealt with an NC State, so Snyder got good good amount of snaps. Uh, Zandier did. Um, my biggest concern is continues to be the defensive line, even though we've got you know, the potential of not having Nelson and maybe being a little bit shorter in the defensive backfield. For me, it's still the defensive line. That makes sense, Ferber. Do you? What are your concerns on on, on the defensive line? Do you? I mean, I, I kind of think like at this point, as I wrote in my um, thing Monday, like you're not going to get much from Dylan Thompson this year. I think that much is is kind of clear. Maybe he comes back from the concussion and the light clicks, and you know he, he he's able to contribute for a couple games. But all intents and purposes, the excitement and and whatever around that dude, it it it's it just not going to materialize at least this season. Um, at this point. Who you who who brought who you brought to the dance is, is who you got to dance with, right? And they're just going to have to get more from those young kids. What are your general thoughts um, on the defensive line depth situation? Is that the one that you think is the most um, important, or what have you about about you know about the the depth depth on that side of the ball? Yeah, I mean, with the injuries, it's just one of the things that makes them worse is that they all seem to be stacked at the same positions, right? I mean. You got multiple DBs going out and multiple inside line, you know, three inside linebackers or four inside linebackers hurt or whatever it is now. Um, and then you have Bernie out. Um, that that, do, that group is already, you know, not deep. So, I mean, obviously that's where it really starts to mount up. I mean, they're healthy at running back. <laughs> like there's no issues there, which is good. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you have them all stacked up at the same positions, that's not great. With the defensive line, um, I think it is what it is at this point, right? I mean, you got you have what you have. Um, I was kind of skeptical of this group's ability to be a lot better this year um, at the beginning of the season because I just didn't see um, how they were going to be able to to do that with the group that they had. Um, they're so reliant on young players, and I think a lot was put on Mandy Alonzo to kind of have this breakout season after he played basically one ha- like a half of a good game last year against Georgia Tech. People, you know assume that he would be able to do that all the time. I think that's a lot to put on a player and he's been fine. Um, Aaron from I think is going to be good. He's just not, you know, he's a freshman and, and he's still coming into his own. So, I mean, this is just part of his development. And you saw guys like uh, Charles Snowden go from, 
contributors in year one to, to really good players in year two. So hopefully the future is bright for him. Same for, for Jordan Redmond. I think, you know, he's kind of being forced into action because physically he's like the only guy that can do what he can do on the roster right now. Um, and then Eli, you know, handback is a, is a foundational piece that knows the scheme and, and is a good, you know, fit for what they're trying to do. And, and obviously is a mainstay and somebody that they count on and, um, you know, he's going to continue to contribute the way he is, but obviously you don't have a big rotation there, um, which can come back to haunt you later on in games. And, you know, we'll see how that plays out and, and how they try to manage the fronts. But I think they're basically trying to keep it all together, you know, with tape at this point, basically just to try to be competitive. I don't think that their defensive line is going to ever be um dominant this year against an offensive line but if they can just kind of hold their own and let the other guys get after the quarterback and make plays then then that's all that you can really ask for at this point yeah step it away from the hand ringer thing for a second there brad um i do think um kind of the the silver lining and all this you know injury stuff we've had is look in many ways you know 2019 2018 is a very important season for virginia football you want to you want to kind of maintain that momentum you built going to the bowl last year you don't want to lose the fan interest that you might be gaining um and certainly you want to win at all times but uh when you look at that roster as, as people have said there's so much youth and guys are getting snaps now you know injury related snaps that are that are real minutes which are going to help build the 19 team so um, if Virginia can manage to get through this stretch of injuries and still win six, seven, maybe eight games, um, you know, it, it helps next year's team too. So there is a silver lining in it all. The other thing that I thought was interesting this week, as I mentioned in the um, three, two, one, was Bronco talked about wanting to get rid of dead plays. You know, you, you look at the data, you look at what what you what what's what stuff has yielded and what it hasn't and what's worked and what hasn't. And you got to get rid of some stuff that maybe you, you were thinking like, yeah, if we just run this one more time, it, it's not going to, that's not going to change it. So we need to cut them. And he, he obviously is not going to get up there and say, all right, here are the 17 plays that we've cut out. Um, but he sort of talked more about concepts. And, and I think it's safe to assume that with Ryan Swoboda moving back to right tackle from tight end, that maybe one of the concepts that they've decided to cut is this jumbo package which I never really liked. Um, I, I don't think it's a good thing to, to, to signal to the defense what you're going to do anytime they saw Soboda. I mean, unless they thought they were going to throw to the six foot ten, two hundred ninety pounder, like you're, you're pro- that's probably not a thing, you know. So he's in there to block. Um, I still believe that, like, if you put Tanner Cowley in motion and pull him from one side to the next, the ball, the the run is definitely going the direction he's going. Um, I, I just think that those tendencies are too too pronounced and i mean defensive coordinators are they're gonna they're gonna guess so much on your just on your tendencies in general like no reason to put a six foot ten 290 pound blinking uh sign that says hey this is going to be a run um that being said i do think that uh it it it's interesting to me that we didn't see any changes on the offensive line i don't know though how much of what we should expect to see on Saturday night is actually on that depth chart. I didn't, other than Cross and Swoboda, I just didn't see anything that jumped out at me um, in terms of something I thought would, you know, would be like a perfect fit for, you know, my expectation going, you know what I'm saying? Like I had an idea that like we would see a little bit of shakeups here and there. um, And I think I was wrong as I looked at that depth chart Monday because I thought, you know what, it's not, it's all going to play out on Saturday. 
What's the one thing, Ferber, that you want the offense to look to do differently when they take the field uh, against her, uh, Miami? Do you is there something that you want to see the offense do, um, whether it's positions, guys moving around, personnel, whatever, or even just formation, you know, kind of big picture stuff? What's something that you want to see different about this offense when it when it comes back out? I mean, I don't think I have anything specifically in mind that they haven't done in the past that I want them to like break out this week. Um, I think you could see more from Tavares Kelly for a number of reasons. One being, you know, he's emerged and he's starting to play more. And then also it's kind of like a, you know, a motivational ploy for him against Miami, his hometown team, basically. So I think we could see more from him, but honestly, the biggest thing is going to be trying to find a way to neutralize Miami's advantage up front and on the defensive line. Um, you know, their defensive line is is unbelievably good. They average, I think, 12 tackles for loss a game, which is absurd. Um, they, I, I think they're second in the nation in sacks. Um, the average third down that the opponent offense has faced this year against Miami is third and nine, which is pretty crazy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're going to have to find a way to, to scheme around that because – UVA's offensive line struggled to block NC State's front, which is athletic, um, but not quite as good as Miami's. So they're going to be in for another tough task this week. So I think the keys to to moving the ball against Miami are going to be get the passing game going short, um, get the ball out quick, don't have a lot of like third and longs where you're going to have to have these long passing plays down the field to sustain drives because if you do, then Miami's going to put you in a tough spot. Uh, with their defensive pressure and, and Bryce is going to have to, f- you know, figure out a way to, to get out of that. And uh, he's done that at times. And then, you know, against like NC state, it, it was kind of hard for him to get out of the pocket because the blocking wasn't there. So that, and then just try to get the ball to Zacchaeus short, however you need to Kelly short, however you need to, and um, try to make plays, you know, on the outside uh, because the defensive line, the pressure is going to be coming right at you, right up the middle. The, you you mentioned Kelly and um, I don't want to I, I, I guess I don't want to I mean I don't know how much he says on the radio broadcast but in talking to Tony Covington and reading sort of his posts on our, our message board it certainly seems like he would be very much in favor of Virginia running a lot more stuff with the two with he with Kelly and Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus on the same side I think that puts a lot of pressure on a defense and I think Virginia has to do a better job of uh, of leveraging those two guys together you know um, it. it I think you, as a defense, you can cover one, but I don't know if you can cover both on the same side, especially when route concepts are sort of built around each other. Um, so I'm kind of interested in to see, you know, Virginia can do anything else with Kelly. Um, Bronco, what was the word he used? Escalating? He was escalating his game, which I thought was an interesting way to, to phrase it, but it was very Bronco. Yeah, um, and, and, you know, like the way that he has talked about Tavares Kelly this whole season – even when he had a smaller impact in the first few games, is like the opposite. And you were talking about Dylan Thompson before. He's like the opposite of that, right? Where he's like not really doing a whole lot. He's on the field, but he hasn't really produced a whole lot until this game against NC State. But you can tell that they want to get him involved as much as possible. Like they know that he's going to be good from stuff they've seen in practice. He's always mentioned with those top receivers as at least somebody that's coming along. So I think just because we haven't seen it yet doesn't mean we won't see it at some point this year. Speaking of the offense, Dave, uh, you were a huge Joe Reed guy going into this year. I don't mean to yeah. bring up bad predictions. He hasn't had the season um, that any of us, I, I think, I thought he would have. Um, during the um, Louisville game, Ferber sort of mentioned to me that he thought that that, that kind of what we've seen from Joe is basically what you're going to see from Joe, that he's a really athletic kid, uh, maybe not the most natural route runner 
and he wasn't really sure how much of that would change. There was some conversation about Joe this week. Um, do you? Think and then he immediately caught a touchdown. Yeah, he did. That's very true. Ferber, Ferber basically says this, and then the kid catches a – it was a pretty ball too. Um, I, I don't necessarily want to get too much into why Joe hasn't had as you know has hasn't had as successful a season uh, from scrimmage, but I, I'm curious to get your thought as a you know a huge fan of of Joe Reed and somebody who um, you know is like the the head of his um, fan club. Um, is Virginia? In terms of the offense, right? Are they are they in a bind if they don't get him going? I mean, what what answers do you think this offense has to have? Because clearly, to Ferber's point, you're going to have to move the pocket around. You're going to have to get the ball out quick. I feel like all of these receivers have to be on point on Saturday night. What's your what's your general thought um, about the offense, and and how do you feel like Joe Reed needs to fit in? I mean, I don't know if Joe specifically needs to do something. Someone else needs to do something. Um, you know, OZ's kind of been carrying the banner for the for the wide receivers. Um, Dubois had a good year. Yeah, I was going to say, Dubois, than, had, Dubois has been very, very solid. Yeah, yeah. Man, he's a lot better than my I expectations. Expected. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, but I, I just think when you look at what we've done outside, as much time as we spent in that jumbo set, um, I think it was the Ohio game where they de- debuted that. Um, you know, if, you, if you're in that set, you've got one less receiver on the field. Joe's probably not getting as many reps when you've got Dubois and Kelly and, and Zacchaeus. And then we've run a lot of, um, you know, two back sets so, with the tight end. So there just hadn't been a whole lot of snaps for him. I, I don't know. If, I don't know if this week's that important other than I do think taking the top off of Miami and doing it with a guy like Joe or, or Terrell Jana or someone on the opposite side from Zacchaeus. And I would love to see Zacchaeus and Kelly together on the same side, like you were talking about, um, the dude on the other side is probably not going to have safety help over top. So, you know, just taking the top off that defense would be big. Um, but as far as specifically the offense this week, like you're probably not going to change a whole lot in a, in a bye week. You're not going to change too much of what you are. But I, but I do hope we see more, um, you know, a little bit more attempt to get players out in space. The one one concern I have, and I, I don't know if a little bit of hand wringing here. Um, I think it was Perkins and Bronco talked about getting the ball out quick. Um, it's not always a good thing, you know, getting out quick, assuming coverage. We, we've seen what that can result in. Um, but specifically against Miami, I do think the one thing I would like to see, which I have zero confidence we would see, is Virginia coming out with Zacchaeus and Kelly on the field at the same time and first down and getting against a Miami base package and then kind of not huddling and keeping Miami in that package and working some mismatches with the linebackers. I'd like to see that wrinkle. I don't know how much confidence that we will. Yeah, I don't have much either. I mean, I, I think that what we've seen from the staff has been that, um, for lack of a description, they grab the wheel and they and they white knuckle it. And what I mean by that is, is that they don't they don't typically put the dudes out there and roll. It's always about these specific packages, these specific plays called in these specific, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to get guys in and out. Um, I, I think they'd be better off to go tempo and sort of ride with what they've got. I think one of the problems that they, they get themselves into is that they, it's almost like a, um, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? You, you, you change personnel to get a specific group on the field because that's the group that you believe can run that play. Um, well, the problem is, is that when you make the change, you essentially tell the defense, 
you give the defense some some clue. I think that's one of the things I like about Zacchaeus and 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 TK being on the same side is that you can do anything, um, which sort of brings me back to my offensive sort of thought, which is I want to see him run the ball more. I, and I don't mean Jordan Ellis. And I mean I would love to see PK get some touches too. I'm not really sure why that hasn't been a thing, but I think it's it's time to run some option. Um, it's time to to utilize Bryce Perkins to his fullest extent. I understand Bronco mentioned several weeks ago. You know they they taken some of the design runs off the table um, in an effort to to basically keep him um, healthy. But I mean I, I just I, I just think that I, I just think that that is a that is something we saw in practice, and I thought. Um, this team had a lot of potential running that, and they just haven't run it much this year. Let me rephrase. They haven't actually ran, run it much, right? So, like, there have been plays, obviously, that were read option. They just haven't actually run the option. I, I expected the ball to sort of be popping around, you know, whether it was pitches or tosses or, um, you know, pop passes, whatever. I expected that to be a thing, and it hasn't been. I think it needs to be a thing when you're playing you think better that's teams. Be- do you think that's because Perkins is a much better passer than they thought he was? I mean, when you looked at leading into the season, like they kind of hinted that he wasn't as far along as Kurt was passing wise. But when you look at his grades, like he's not far off. Yeah. Beck, you know? Beck actually was pretty high on his ability. He said that they could do everything passing that Banker could do. Um, like the offense wasn't really like watered down for him. But, yeah, I mean, I think that they kind of knew that his athletic ability would be something that would kind of help him out of jams, if nothing else. Um, but, I mean, he can't hit the deep ball like Kurt. That's just not happening. But, no. Um, but, I mean, like, that doesn't – He also doesn't – But a lot, of, a lot of college quarterbacks can't make that throw. So Well, let me tell you what would happen, though. If, if Tavares Kelly had been with Kurt Benkert and you could just have that dude just line up and go, that's and a Kirk mad offense. Lock, I mean, seriously, you just throw it, as as throw it and he and you because you can't out throw you can't out overthrow that kid. I mean, it's like Tyree Kill. That's like what they do. You yeah, know, I mean, geez, they just throw it as far as they can throw it. I, th- <laughs> I think I, I think your today's point. I, I think that's 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 somewhat true, right? That that he his development as a passer certainly moved you know moved the needle. But but think about just the offense in general and how similar what we've seen this year is to what we saw him run last year and the year before there's, there's a lot that looks very familiar. I don't see any new wrinkles based specifically off. Oh, this is Bryce. Now maybe that's just cause I'm an idiot. I mean, there, there's just you know. the QB. They have a few like design QB runs, yeah, but the, I mean, the like, that's QB draw, it. but like you don't see a lot in terms of, you know, okay, we're going to run, you know, Kelly on in an option coming right to left and he's going to fake that to him and he's going to circle and he's going to pitch. Like you just don't see a lot of that kind of stuff. And I think that that might be, that might just be a thing where they don't think the offensive line is in a place yet where they can do that. And if that's the, if that's the, the sort of determination, I guess I get it. Um, but I want to be able to see, you know, to see a quarterback who, who is not um, to, to see him sort of unleashed. Right. Um, I, I still get, I still don't understand sometimes um, the direction that plays are called when the, when that's not the open side of the field there's too many opportunities when I'm sitting in a press box and can pick out what's about to happen. Um, I, I just feel like that there's a lot more to this offense, at least from the skill position guys that we haven't seen yet. And I think the option would be a big part of that. What about you, Ferber? What do you feel like you want? Um, you, you want, um, or let me rephrase this. What do you think will work against Miami's defense? Like what, 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 what sort of niche? It, Cause I mean, look, they, they're big, they're fast. They feed off turnovers. What 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 works against that? 
don't turn the don't turn the ball over. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> lowest hanging fruit. Um, yeah, I mean, kind of. It's true though. I mean, you could. I don't know if you guys watched. Actually, I know you guys did watch because we talked about it. The the Florida State game on Saturday. You know, I said it when they it was twenty seven seven. They created that sack fumble on Francois, and I was like, that's going to change the whole game because you could just their their momentum is so built on creating those turnovers and making those plays that can define a game and completely change it. I mean, that was a twenty point deficit that basically one or two turnovers. Um, and a couple quick scores um, got them out of. Uh, I know Florida State's not that good, but you know it was still something that they had to to do with their backs against the wall. Um, I, I, you know, I went back and looked at what UVA did against Miami last year, and in the first half, you know, especially they Kurt, I think was he had like gaudy passing numbers early in that game. I think he was like fourteen of fifteen or something um, in the first half, and and he was you know obviously he had a few deep plays, he had two touchdowns. But one of the consistent things that you were seeing with him was he was getting out of the pocket. Um, you know, they were moving the pocket and and trying to get him away from that pressure because I, I think they kind of knew they wouldn't be able to block them straight up for long enough to keep UVA's offense working the way it did. Um, UVA was so reliant on the deep ball last year and create at least the threat of those plays was like a huge part of their offense. And, you know, if you have a six-second play or something um, against Miami's front, you're going to get sacked every time. So um, they got him out of the pocket. You know, he had the one play uh, where he kind of got out a little bit and uh, hit Zacchaeus short, and he scored. And then the Joe Reed play was basically a rollout to the right, and he just, you know, launched the ball up there to him. Um, with Bryce, if you can get him out of the pocket, you can do some stuff. I mean, because you have the threat to run. Obviously, he's pretty good on the short to intermediate stuff. Um and I think if a guy's open deep, he can hit him. So, you know, it, it's going to come down to how well they can execute that. Is Miami looking for that now that they saw some of it last year? Um, honestly, UVA had a good offensive game for, for two and a half quarters. And then, you know, when Miami started creeping back in, Kurt had the pick six, and then it kind of just unraveled for them. So, I mean, obviously they're going to have to find a way to sustain that throughout the game, uh, whatever they end up doing. But I think rolling out of the pocket – um, keeping Bryce on the move, you know, you saw with that play against NC State, the touchdown to Zacchaeus in the end zone where he kind of like, you know, extended the play, extended the play. Somebody's going to get open. So, I mean, if you can find a way to do that without creating a ton of pressure, um, then then you got to try it. Um, I, I'm going to hit a little stutter step and throw you guys a fake, and we're going to do our picks now because I want to get into a basketball topic after the first break. But um, Dave, in the preseason, you had Miami winning this thing 38-21, if I can read my writing correctly. Do uh, you still think the spread is that big? I'm torn, man. Like everything, You on a pick, torn? <laughs> no no way. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to spoil our fist out of the ball, but you know, there's, there's some reasons that I've got a little more confidence in this game um, than I did then. But you know, it, it's just so much Virginia has to do right, I think, to win this game. Um, I do think there's there's a very good chance Miami c- could come out a little unfocused after last week's game. Um, in some ways, maybe this being a night game and having some hype helps them uh, kind of refocus. But I, I, I want to believe, man, I'm just having a hard time with, with the issues, especially you know the depth that you know, the the depth at inside linebacker w- with a team that can run the ball and has some, has some talent. Um, I think NC State and Miami are similar. Um, 
Miami's probably got a little bit better athlete across the board, but NC State's a little more disciplined. Uh, I'm I'm waffling here, man. No, that's called hand wringing. <laughs> what you're doing right now yeah. is called hand wringing. Okay, no, I mean, I, this is I why it's very hashtag on brand. Yeah, I could see Virginia winning this game. Um, I could see Virginia kind of taking it to Miami because I don't really know what Miami is yet. Like I know they've got talent. I can see it on the field, but they haven't beaten anybody. But Virginia really hasn't beaten anybody either. Um, so I, I'm going to give Miami the benefit of the doubt, and I will have them winning. I, I don't think they'll score 38. I'll keep it 31-24 Miami. All right. But it could be. It could go. It could, either team could win this game by a blowout. Who knows? <laughs> Okay. Ferber in the preseason had Miami winning this by 10, I think, 31-21, if I'm reading my writing correctly. Um, but we all know that whatever I say, you'll just go with it. Um, what are your What are your thoughts now? Yeah, this is a – I don't want to say this is a tough game to read because um, they've had some other games that have been tougher to read. I think this one's more – I think I know where I'm going to pick, but um, there's a lot of variables. Uh, I think the one variable – that we haven't really talked about um, because we've been so focused on how does UVA beat their defense is Miami's offense. And that's kind of an unknown to me. Um, you know, that first half against, against NC State or NC State, Florida State, um, they they struggled. Um, you know, they had seven points. There's a reason they were down 27 to seven. They weren't playing well. Um, you know, they didn't play well in the loss to LSU, but LSU is a good team and you know, there's obviously no shame in, in losing that game. And then obviously they took care of business against the weaker opponents. But, you know, they have Nikosi Perry, who's a freshman quarterback. He hasn't played a lot. Um, he's a little bit more dynamic than Rozier. But, you know, we still, I mean, he's got 11 touchdowns to three picks, which is good. But but like Dave said, most of that has been feasting on bad competition. And then if you look at what he did against Florida State, you know, he had four touchdowns, which is, you know, a career high and, obviously helped them win the game, but he was 13 of 32 passing. So it wasn't like he was lighting it up. I mean, they were basically, you know, the jump balls, the 50, 50 balls. And that's going to be, you know, something that I write about for the preview. UVA has to do a better job there because Miami's got better receivers when it comes to 50, 50 balls than anyone they'll face this year. Um, you know, it's going to be a tough matchup for the secondary, but the key is going to be to, to keep Perry off balance and find a way to try to like, make him look like a freshman. Um, and I think that's possible based on what I've seen from him. He has, he can be a little bit erratic at times with the throws, um, a little inaccurate at times, but he obviously has talent. So they're gonna have to find a way to create pressure, which is something that they couldn't do against NC state. Uh, the good news is Miami's offensive line sounds like the weakest part of their offense at this point. Um, Rick has, you know, was basically, he came out this week and said that he wasn't really happy with how they're playing and how they were practicing this week. So, that's something to watch. And and their offensive coordinator made a point that UVA's defense is kind of confusing. So he was a little concerned about how Perry would kind of deal with that on the road as, you know, his first road start. So it, I think there's an opportunity for UVA to pull the upset, but their advantages on the defensive line and ability to create turnovers against the UVA offensive line that is still trying to figure out what they're doing. And then, you know, on the other side of the ball, Miami's offensive line might be struggling, but UVA, has struggled to get after the passer, and I think it's just too many injuries on defense right now to win this game. I'm going to go Miami 27-17. to 17. That's fair. Um, you're wrong. Um, look, I had this thing 28-20 UVA in the preseason, and you both clowned me for it, um, like put me on a meme or whatever. But I don't – my problem with the pick is not Virginia winning right now. 
my problem with the pick is Virginia scored 28 points. Um, listen, I don't think that um, that it's crazy to think Virginia wins this game. One, the the part about Perry's first start on the road, I think, is is legit. I think the idea that their offensive line is maybe not quite as good um, as maybe it should be or as they wanted it to be, that was something that sort of jumped out to me when I um, um, did our Behind the Enemy Lines piece uh, with Gary Furman from Canesport. You know, I talked about the offensive line struggling. Um, and actually, was that actually in the piece or was that just me and Gary talking? But anyway, basically the idea to me is is that Virginia goes from playing, I think, maybe one of the best, if not the best, offensive line in the in the conference and now having to get a first-year starter in his first road start. It's going to be cold. The crowd's going to be jacked. It's There's a lot that lines up here. Virginia had an off week before the game. Maybe that maybe the um, – you know, the – the depth situation on defense is a, is a problem. But, you know, one of the things that struck me watching Miami's defense uh, against Florida State was that, yeah, they do thrive off turnovers, and they certainly put you in a spot to turn the ball over. But at the same time, like, do we think Bry- Bryce Perkins is better or not better than, than Francois? Because I kind of feel like he's better. Now, maybe the skill position and such and such and such, but Virginia does have a lot of weapons. And, that, and certainly Virginia's offensive line is, is not that great, but they're not as bad as Florida State's offensive line. Um, I think there's just a lot there, and I think that um, if this wasn't the the sort of situation, and Dave is going to go crazy in our fifth side of the ball in a little bit uh, about um, night games and all this fun stuff, I just I don't know, man. I got a feeling. I've had a feeling. I'm gonna stick with it. Uh, give me Virginia. Take the points um, for sure. I, I think they win it by by field goal, like twenty twenty one eight or something like that that feels about right I can see it being a tight game I just don't I just don't think I, I here's my thing I don't think Miami can win a tight game on the road right now I just I, if they do it that's great showed me something uh, proved me wrong but as of right now I don't think they can do it um, before we get to our next segment let me take our first break of the night Cats Corner Podcast is brought to you by Ask Landis a company based in Charlottesville that specializes in helping you downsize and declutter They've served Central Virginia for the past decade. Owners Stephen Landis and Brandon Lloyd have been helping folks all over the region clear things out from their homes and businesses, as well as providing a turnkey solution as they try to get from point A to point B. Um, so maybe you got a, a loved one who's you know moving out of um, out of their their house that they've been in for decades, and you just need somebody to come help you out. Uh, maybe you you got this basement that you've been looking to clean up. Maybe you want to put your house in the market. Whatever that case may be, let Stephen and Brandon do the work for you and help to, to declutter your life, declutter your property, declutter everything. Uh, you can give them a call today for a free consultation, 434-249-8383, or you can visit asklanis.com for more. Our, th- our thanks to Ask Landis for their support of this show and all of CavsCorner.com. I did not tell my um, compatriots here on this very program what the second – we're going to talk basketball in the second segment because – uh, media day for the Who's is less than two weeks away. Um, there's pictures of Kyle Guy and a championship belt floating around. Um, you know, lots of conversation about, you know, early season um, rankings and that kind of thing. And we, we talked a little bit about, you know, the, last week about the excitement of the year and UMBC and that loss and everything. I want to get into the nuts and bolts of this team a little bit. Um, I will allow you guys to think, since I didn't warn you ahead of time, I allow you guys to think, and I'll, and I'll start the conversation here. Virginia's five, and I'm going to assume that that five is Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy, DeAndre Hunter, Mamadi Diakite, and Jack Salt. Their five is really strong. It's the unknown off the bench. I think that's the one key, and I don't. That was not a pun. Um, I 
I, we don't know yet whether Braxton Key will play or not. Um, if he's able to play, it changes things dramatically for me. Um, but I do think that their their bench scoring, their bench um, production, is the biggest question mark. And really, to me, is the thing that can is the difference between this team being really good and being great. Um, Jay Huff, uh, Marco Anthony, you know that Kihei Clark's going to have to play. Cody Statman probably going to play too. Um, if they get key, that's great. Um, it's just, can do, do they have enough off the bench to sort of fill in? We know that 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 these guys are good as a group. Um, how much can they carry? How many miles can they put on their tires? That's my my biggest question mark. Uh, Ferber, I'm going to ask you, what do you feel like the question mark is for this team in terms of its, um, you know, re- it reaching its ceiling? Oh, man. Um, thanks for the heads up on this, by the way. Um, probably depth in the front court. Um, like you said, I mean, the bench is kind of a, a bigger question mark than anything in the starting five, which makes sense. Um, it is worth noting, though, you know, in college basketball, a lot of teams, it's not like the NBA where you have to have like 10, 11 guys. Um a lot of college teams will go seven deep and can make a deep run in March doing that. Um, you just kind of have to have guys that are able to guard multiple positions and all that good stuff, which I think UVA does, especially in the backcourt. But I think Diakite is going to have to make the leap as a you know a starter now, and you know he's going to have to step up on both ends and, and be better um, and more productive. And then Jack obviously will be Jack. I mean, he just needs to continue to do what he does, and you know if he can provide a lift on offense, that's great. If not, I mean, he just he's going to play solid defense, set screens, you know, do all the little stuff that they need him to do. Uh, but, but, you know, like behind them, I mean, what are you working with? Um, you know, you have Jay Huff, who is barely played. Um, and, you know, there's a reason for that. Right. I mean, they're not a lot of people wanted to see more of him last year. But I mean, I don't think that was, you know, there's a, they didn't keep him on the bench just, you know, to not show anything or something like that. I mean. They, you know, he had some deficiencies on the defensive end of the floor and was still coming along. And obviously, I think he needed to get a little stronger. And, and hopefully, he's done that. So hopefully, he's going to be ready to come and and go and contribute from day one. But I mean, that's that is an unknown at this point. And then, you know, behind him, you you know, what do you what else is there? I mean, you have a bunch of guys that are younger, and um, you're just trying to figure it out. But I mean, it, you know, you got to trust Tony when it comes to this sort of thing. Um, but I mean, yeah, we'll we'll have to see what happens and how deep they end up going off the bench. What do you think, Dave? I mean, depth, obviously, but uh, because that's boring to say the same thing you guys did, I'll switch it up a little bit at the at the risk of getting criticized. Um, I, I think a big key to this team is going to be Tony Bennett's growth, not not as a coach, but as someone who's willing to give a little more rope. Um, you know, you're replacing. You've got a lot of talent coming back. The starting five, it's really good. It's arguably one of the best starting fives talent-wise he's ever had. Um, but you're replacing the two best defenders on the team last year. And two of the, you know, maybe two of the top five defenders he's had his entire time in Virginia. Um, and two guys he trusted, you know, with the likes of Joe and Akil and, and Malcolm um, on the defensive side of the ball. So I, I think the way this team... You don't like Justin said. You don't need to be ten deep, like you know, seven or eight deep NCAA tournament time. But you need to be healthy and rested come NCAA tournament time. So that means you're going to have to maybe lean on guys like Jay or or Francisco or, or um, not Francisco, sorry, Frankie. Um, some guys who don't have experience and might make some mistakes. 
Tony in the past hasn't shown a, a big stomach for dealing with defensive mistakes. Um, I think this team ultimately how the how the season ends, and I think that's all we really care about as Virginia fans now. Um, how it ends in in the in the big dance. I think the depth you build and the, not just the depth you have coming off the bench, but the health of those five the five starters is dependent on how many minutes they can rest during the regular season grind. And that's going to be Tony giving, being willing to let guys make mistakes on the court and figure it out, which he hasn't always done in the past. So, The thing that I find sort of interesting about this team, aside from the depth situation, is, is not so much um, – like when I talk about depth – with this, with with this team, right? With this, with this program, when I talk about depth, it's not so much just like who's going to give guys a break. It's more about like how can they be better, right? Like what we saw, what we've seen, right, in Virginia in the, in the postseason has been, in my opinion, um, when matchups are not favoring them, they don't always do a good job of moving their pieces around to counteract those matchups, right? So, for example. UMBC should have, they should have done a lot more guards posting up, right? Where 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 could they take advantage of their size? Um, how 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 could they take advantage of of their size? Um, I, I don't think they did a good job there. Historically, when shots don't fall, they struggle. Um, they got to figure out, you know, like we were texting about today, like they got to figure out some way to to have a an option there. Maybe it's not necessarily a thing that carries them all the time but it's something that they can do when the shots aren't falling. You can't just keep shooting the same shots, expecting them all of a sudden to fall. Sometimes you got to generate that offense some, some other way. And I think that's a wrinkle that they really need to figure out. I, I, I just think that as I look at the, at the bench, I don't necessarily look at the bench in terms of like, well, just like you have to spell these guys for these stretches. It's like when you are in a game and this thing happens, what other combination of players you know, could, for example, when Virginia goes small, what's the small ball lineup? Right when you're going to take Jack Salt off the court, you want Mamdi Dikite to be your 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 five, basically, right? Who who are you putting in and why? Well, Huff would make sense because he's a guy who can stretch the floor and he he takes a big out uh, to the perimeter. Um, one is that even a thing in Virginia's offense? Do they have wrinkles for that? Um, and then two, uh, defensively, is he ready to be able to? You know, if the other team even still has a guy of Mamdi's size, can he can he defend that guy down low? Um, maybe it's Badoki. Maybe maybe you go small. You move DeAndre to the four. You want to bring Kihei in and play Ty at the two and Kyle at the three, or vice versa. Like you, what you need are guys who fit together in a way that gives your team an advantage, not just just guys who can come in. And I feel like at this stage of the program, like when teams are bringing their A game against you because you are you know whatever the number whatever seed and all this fun stuff, like you got to be able to change up sometimes. Or you got to figure out a way to to essentially impose your will. And Virginia's a defensive-minded team in an offensive-minded world. Like, Virginia's always going to make decisions based on defense. That's just going to be a thing, right? They're not going to come in and say, well, our offense can do this and this and this, but they're not going to do it at the sake of their, their defense. That's just never going to be uh, a reality, right? So, okay, you get, you, if you're going to play it that way, you've got you, you've to be willing to at least understand that the stuff you do run on offense has to give you an advantage. And I think that's the place where they tripped up. What's the one thing, Dave, we'll go back to you, the thing you're most excited about about this season? Is it just a chance to, to, to see the team <laughs> play some games? Is it you know, to, get the, to go you know, a little further in the tournament and maybe get the, the taste of UMBC out of your mouth? What's your, what are you looking forward to? I think all the above. I mean, basketball's fun. 
it is. I mean, it's a wonderful program. The games are fun. They, they win a lot. Um, certainly having a game to talk about this, not UMBC will be nice. Um, not that you'll ever get away from that and whatever, but, um, I, I do think, you know, having, I, I think in Dre, Ty and Kyle, you probably have, you've had individual offensive players that are really good, but I don't know if, if Tony's ever had three proven guys that good. Um, I mean, you can get 60 points a night out of those three, and, and that's more than you give up. <laughs> so um, I, I'm just, I think we're going to see some changes this year that long term will be good for the program. Um, I don't know what they are, but I just have confidence <laughs> that we'll see them. Um, because I, I don't think, look, Tony has been great. You know, his post game speech was wonderful, but he is a competitive dude, and they're going to make changes, and I'm excited to see what they are. I will tell before Ferber gives us his to close out this segment, I'll say mine is I just want to see Kihei Clark do some stuff. Cause like he was like when Virginia took him, everybody's like, yo, that dude is tiny. And then as the reports start coming, you're like actually that kick and ball a little bit. And then you hear about like him at UVA, you're like, well, he, he might be tiny, but he, he, he drives hard. I mean, that kid will touch the paint. It, it's been a while, right. Since they had a guy, I mean like maybe Prontus to some extent, but he was never, he just never looked comfortable to me when he drove. Like he just always looked like driving was the thing he needed to do. Not necessarily driving was the thing he wanted to do. I'm really, I'm really curious to see Kihei and how he performs. Like I said, it's an offensive minded world. I mean, the ACC is not just like huge dudes anymore. Like they're t- a bunch of tiny kids, um, guys who historically you would not have thought of as ACC point guards, ACC wings playing in this league. Um, you know, Chris likes, I think was the, is the one recruit from the last few years that I really wish Virginia would have gotten because he would have been not only fun to cover, but I think he would have fit like a glove. Um, so other than what we talked about forever, give me one more thing that you're excited about seeing, uh, once the season starts. I I just want to see the evolution of Deandre Hunter. Um, you know, he went from a guy that red shirted to a player that started off last year, not really playing much. And, you know, he had that one big game against Monmouth, I think it was. And then he kind of just went back to being on the bench. Um, and then obviously in the ACC season, he he blew up. So we're talking about a guy that could potentially be a lottery pick. Um, UVA hasn't had a lot of those, you know, and haven't had any recently. So, I mean, it, he might be the most complete player that Tony's had since he's been here in his ability to score in a lot of different ways on the offensive end while still being able to to bring it on the defensive end. I mean, I guess Justin Anderson is kind of like that. I mean, he was a 3 and D kind of player and developed his jump shot in a way that he needed to at the college level. But um, DeAndre, you know, he's an explosive athlete. He's big enough to guard a lot of different positions. Uh, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how he does coming back off the injury, but all the reports seem good so far. Um and, you know, if he can continue to improve his jump shot and, and find ways to get to the rim and just be more assertive this year, um, you know, he's going to be going from a six-man role to a star role. And and he's going to be the guy that, you know, Kyle and, and Ty obviously are names around college basketball now. But when you start having a guy on your team that's a projected lottery pick or a potential lottery pick or, or somewhere in that area, um, they're going to draw a lot of attention, headlines. Um, people are going to be watching UVA to see how he does. So I'm interested to see if he can – take that next step like we saw guys like Anderson and Brogdon do um, from their second year to their third uh, and, and try to, you know, see if he becomes the catalyst on the offense. 
Well, I think that's a uh, a good place to to put the basketball discussion um, with a pin in, in it, I guess, as a as the case may be. Um, let's take our last break. Stu- uh, wow, Stewart's draft. Just jump right into the script there, Brian. Cast Corner Podcast also brought to you tonight by Second String Sports, which is, in coincidentally enough, Stewart's draft. Uh, Second String offers you all kinds of used uh, sports equipment. Baseball, softball, football, soccer. They have everything that you need. The newest bats and gloves, gear from DeMarini, Louisville Slugger, Easton, Rawlings, Wilson, Evo Shield. It's all on the shelves and ready to go home with you today. So let's say you you got something from last season you don't need anymore. Maybe you got a kid who doesn't play that sport, going to play something else. You need something else. Feel free to give them a look. You can check them out online at secondstringsports.com. That's second with a two. Or you can visit their store at 2627 Stewart's Draft Highway in Waynesboro. Um, give them a look. Appreciate all their support. First string quality, first string service, second string sports. Our thanks again to second string for their support of this show and all of CavsCorner.com. I honestly thought for a second there that you were doing an ad for the Stewards Draft Chamber of Commerce or something, because you just said <laughs> Stewards Draft, and I was like, oh wow, like we got a new sponsor. Didn't even know. <laughs> and what a wonderful town it is. Uh, all right, Dave, hit us with the fifth side. Go ahead, do your thing. Your turn. Your time to shine. I- I don't know how to phrase it because you guys know the answer to it, so I can't really ask you as a question. We'll, we'll just get. We'll, we'll just. It's an interesting quirk, and um, just you know, when you think about how I hate to say it, but how bad Virginia football has been over the last ten plus years. Um, consistent, you know, though. Yeah, consistently bad. Um, it's you know, it got me thinking. Uh, like I don't. It feels like. I saw people complaining about it being a night game, which is what kind of what you know got me started. I was like, you know, we don't we don't really have that many night games. Um, but when when I started going back and looking through, it's like, okay, well, we've had ten night games in the last fourteen years, um, which doesn't sound like a lot. And then you realize five of those were Thursday night or Friday games, which is one thing. But we've only had five home night games since 2004 which is you know when when the big expansion happened obviously um which which was interesting you know that's not a lot um but then i started looking at virginia's record and virginia has managed to go five and oh in those five home night games which i found dumbfounded like i I probably went through that three or four times before i texted it to you guys because i didn't believe it like there's no way that could be true so there's something's wrong in this I, i was pulling like UVA historical records compared to Wikipedia. Um, it, it's pretty, that's pretty crazy. Um, and then Miami, you know, Virginia's played Miami at night four times in total. One was the 1996 car quest bowl, but since Miami joined the ACC three times a night, Virginia's three and zero in those games, one in Scott stadium, two in Miami. Um, so it's just, it's just really quirky. So I got that was one of the reasons I was hemming and hawing on my on my prediction. Like that's a hard one to a hard one to go against. I like how you pretend that you don't hem and haw on every prediction. I mean, you're not I quite really as do. you're not as quite as bad as Matt. I love Matt, but Matt like writes a odds and ends column for me about. Well, lines. if you let me just say I don't know at the end, I probably would. So <laughs> you know. no, it's it's fine. I think that it's interesting to me that just the success that Virginia's had against Miami because it doesn't make any sense because it's absent of like you know coaching staffs and schemes and players it's just very strange to me it makes sense it, to me it does is yeah, it yeah. no it's so because I mean, virginia is the perfect level of opponent for miami to not care about yeah that's fair. okay it's like yeah. they're not good enough to get their attention and they're not bad enough to just get blown out every time 
So it's like just right for like the it's the perfect and Miami's teams except for last year's team have not been that great. I mean, yeah. but they still look UVA over. That's and that's the problem. Is like they're not good enough to look over people and they do it anyway. I mean, that's their program not I, I don't think it is now, but under Randy Shannon and and under Al Golden, it was a very like they just seem very like lackadaisical, right? It just was like they're just going to show up and play, and they'll probably be pretty mediocre, but you know that's what it is. And then they'll play Florida State hard, but you know like whatever. Th- this is a great stat for you that showed me how bad Miami was over the last like ten-ish years. I mean, not bad, but like worse than they were, right? I mean, they were so dominant before. Do you realize that Miami's win over Florida State last week was the first time they've beaten them in Miami since 2004? Yeah, that's nuts, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, they, that's just nuts. That's crazy. That's what I'm saying. Like, how is that even possible? But And, and you know, I'm sure their record in Tallahassee is not that great either during that time. You know, they probably won, like, two of those games or something. Mm. So, I mean, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, they have, they've been consistently a level below the elite teams, right? And now they're getting back to where they were. I don't think they're quite there yet. Um, but, I mean, they're much more formidable in the last two years than they've been. Right. But the night game stuff is interesting, though, because, I mean, those games, I remember those games they had against Florida State, the two times they came up in the growy years. They were both at night, ESPN-type games, and, and those were great atmospheres. I think one was a pretty close, low-scoring loss, and then the other one was a win. Um, so, I mean, the environments were good for those games. But, yeah, it doesn't seem like they get a ton of late saturday kicks these days with the acc contracts skewing so early but that's something that'll change in the in the coming years with the acc network because the acc network will have a night game every day every week so i mean more of those games will be shifting later so more night games for uva probably in the future yeah i think yeah hold on hold on dave what i find super interesting did you guys hear broncos comments was i can't remember my brain just went to mush if it was on the acc call or um or if it was during his presser monday but he was talking about the the crowd for a night game, and he was talking about how you know since he came to UVA, he doesn't like night games. He would much rather it be during the day because he doesn't like the long wait and doesn't. It was on the teleconference. Well, they day. also don't work Sunday, so he has to do his Sunday work after the game Saturday. Right. So he doesn't like to prep for the way it is on the back end. He doesn't like the front end. Um, but he 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 basically made the comment like apparently Virginia people really like the night games. Um, and I wonder if there's just not just it's just it's 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 a it's a the crowd energy that kind of thing um that you just don't get you know during the day um but it but the but the, the miami thing is interesting too because like i don't feel like miami is like an upper echelon program but i feel like they have upper echelon talent and so like it, it, it it's a it's an interesting challenge because if you're going to get the sleepwalking miami that was the first half you know the florida state game heck the first half of the virginia game last year yeah you're you, you want that right um, you you don't want it once they they get all you know um, fired up and whatnot. Um, but still, like they, it's like when they get it going, they're really good. But it takes them some time to get it going, and that just doesn't make any sense. It's not like Florida kids don't play other places, you know. Like it's not like you know other teams don't have a bunch of kids from Florida. I d- I don't know what it is about Miami, even with a different coaching staff, right? Like, is it just like that location, just like? You're poisoned by it. I mean, like, what is? I, I just don't. I don't get it at all. It doesn't make any sense. But it is so. It's so consistently a thing. It's hard to ignore. Um, I think it was. It's a combination of like we're Miami. We're better than them. And yeah. I'm not saying like every play, but they're also they weren't better. 
Right. So like that you can't combine those two things. Like UVA has to thrive right now with the way that this coaching staff and the recruits they get and all that stuff. They have to do the opposite. They have to say like we're UVA, we're going to have to fight for everything we get. And that's the only way it's going to work. Right. But and Miami has been the opposite. But now they're starting to get better coaching and more consistency. So I think that they're going to get back to where they were or somewhere close. Um maybe not like the national championship game, but you know, they're getting there but but that's that malaise. You can still see it. I mean, yeah, it still shows can. up sometimes. Yeah, you absolutely can. Dave, close this out. What were you getting ready to say? No, I was going to say, I mean, we, we, I hear a lot of discussion that how successful Virginia has been against Miami. Virginia's six and eight against Miami since they joined the ACC. That's, uh, that's less than 500. It's just Virginia's been so it's terrible four, against it's not everyone 14, else. 14, though. You know? And, and they've um, also lost the last three. So it's not yeah. like they have recent success against them. And also, I think the 6-8 and eight number is because it's Miami. They're like, oh, well, we shouldn't be beating them, but we are. Like, that's the way people look at it. Um, I would we, beat, we beat them more than we should be beating them. That's yeah. the way it's people It's exactly look at the same it. record we have against UNC the last since 2004, 6-8. and eight. But it feels it doesn't like UNC feel has owned way. us lately, right? Yeah. Um, you know, but you have to realize Miami hasn't been that great the last 14 years there. Um, 64 and 50 in ACC games, I believe it is in the last since you know a little over you know, 14 games over 500. So they're not exactly like the uh, Ken Dorsey Miami teams, you know. Um, I don't know. Willis McGahee's not walking out of that door, huh? <laughs> UVA yeah. caught the very back end of it when they first joined the league. Right. Like yeah. they were still like really good then, but then it went away. Right. But I mean, you know, they can get back there. It's just yeah, they're just. They're like you said, UVA six and eight against them, and it feels like they've owned them. And a lot of that is just because it feels like they shouldn't be able to be even close to five hundred against them. While you know, they're Georgia Tech. I think they're seven and seven against in that time, and it doesn't yeah. feel like that. And, and I do think night games work for Virginia fans, just because um, you know everything else is done. You can come watch the first half. You can hang out, do what you want through during the game, tailgate, go do something else. You know, go play golf, whatever you're doing. Show up for the game and at halftime if they're getting blown out you can go home um <laughs> otherwise you just stay and enjoy it so yeah come use the wi-fi yeah, yeah ting, ting, ting. I, I expect a good crowd so. yeah and now you expect it good won't be a solo. Too. um i want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show i want to thank dave and ferber for giving graciously of their time as always if you are someone who found the website through the podcast and um you are now a member of said website feel free to give us a review whether that's an apple podcast uh whatever it is on google stitcher spotify wherever it is you get your podcast reviews um really help the show uh to get out there if you are someone who found the podcast but haven't checked out this website ferber writes lots of words and he would like you to pay money so that um you can read them um I w- again i want to thank dave and ferber for being on the show um every week and putting up with all my crap um and we will i guess talk to you after um both the blue white scrimmage on saturday and uh and this here football game that we have um beaten to death on this show again for david spence and justin ferber i'm brad franklin publisher of calvescorn.com thanks for coming out we'll see you soon